one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and uh, this is also being broadcast on TalkSport 2. So welcome, whether you're listening live or on podcast. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, looking back at what it was always going to be, wasn't it? Uh, 8% chance of victory. WinViz gave England at the end of day three. And unfortunately, that was possibly a touch optimistic. It didn't go that way. Um, it ended up with a more than comfortable victory for Australia by nine wickets. And we know what happens that when England go 1-0 down at the Gabba, I'm not sure they've ever come back to win an Ashes series. Either way, plenty to discuss with myself and Steve Harmison. And we'll have a little look ahead to what could take place at Adelaide. Second Test match gets underway next week. You're listening to Following On. We hoped England would bat past T. In the end, they didn't even make lunch. Although they would have done if uh, the uh, extra half an hour hadn't been taken. All hopes of a come-from-behind victory or even a a bore draw or even a fight um, dissipated within the first 20 minutes or so. David Milan um, out for 82. Wicket number 400 for Nathan Lyon. Uh, Joe, I'm not sure if you realise it was wicket number 400 for Nathan Lyon. The commentators hardly mentioned it. Uh, Joe Root. Caught behind in exactly the same way he was nearly caught behind. Last ball of day three, Cameron Green. Uh, so he misses out on an Ashes 100 again in Australia. Ollie Pope cutting a ball to slip. And that was it, really, because the new ball hadn't even been uh, brought forward. Stokes and Butler. Stokes woefully short of anything approaching match fitness. And that was it, really. So uh, uh, Australia, worthy winners, running out with a nine-wicket win. And uh, yeah, where do England go from here? Well, we'll find out in the next 20 minutes or so. You're listening to Following On. Story of the day. Well, we can look back at today or we can look ahead. I think we really look ahead. Um, we could talk about Nathan Lyon. 
I see Isabel Westbury's written a piece comparing Lyon with um, Jack Leach. That's in the Daily Telegraph. And uh, we could talk about Cameron Green with the ball. He offers a point of difference and that's what you need. And, and really, that's it, really. Is it? There's not too much to talk about the game because as soon as Milan was out and Root followed, we knew we knew what was going to happen. But there's a sense of disappointment, I imagine, from another day where England have been completely outplayed by Australia. Yeah, and it was it was tough to see. It was all of hope, I think, expectation that England would put up a fight like they did last night. And when you look back at it, the one thing that we said right at the very start was being underprepared and being underdone. If England do lose this game, it's how they lose it. Um, they have to take the game as long as they possibly can. They have to make sure that they, you know, they throw a few punches back. But because of the the, the preparation time that England have had, players being in quarantine, the World Cup players being in quarantine, not being able to get there. Um, we did a stat on BT, which was competitive balls faced uh, since India left England, which was more or less the first of September. I think it was three thousand eight hundred balls faced by Australian batsmen, top seven. And I think it was 820 by England. There was 10 hundreds and nine fifties by Australians, top seven. And England's top seven in competitive cricket was 100 and 150. And that was Joss Butler's 100 in World T20. A 50 by, I think another 50 by Ollie Pope. A 100 by Ollie Pope and a 50 by Joss Butler. It was 200s or one hundred. And two fifties, whichever way around it was, I'm not sure what it was. Dolly Pope got runs for Surrey at the end of last season, but it just shows you how much underdone that England batsmen have been going to the Gabba, where the ball bounces. It does a bit more in shield wickets than it does in Test wickets, and I thought that was more of a shield wicket. And I thought yesterday there was some hope that we've we could actually take this game quite deep. We're probably not going to win it. You know, quick viz give eight percent. That's fine. I didn't think we were going to win it. But I thought we, if if Australia have to chase 110, 120 and knock it off two down, we've we fought back. We've had a go in the game. We're getting bowled out for one four seven when we should have won the toss and bowled first as opposed to batted first. To compare Nathan Lyon and Jack Leach is just that's not fair. That is not fair. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, Nathan Lyon. He's got 400 Test match wickets. Story of the day for me is is his 400 Test match wickets. You know, you can go with whoever you want. Brett Lee, Jason Gillespie of my time, times before of Dennis Lilly, you know, Thompson, all these great fast bowlers and you know, bowlers that have played cricket for Australia. Nathan Lyons just joined a 400 club, which has got two people in it, Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne. That's a monumental achievement for me. So to compare Jack and Nathan Lyons, I think that's a bit a little bit unfair from, from Jack's point of view, even though he didn't bowl as well as he would like. Um, you know, Lyons played 100 test matches and he's got 400 test match wickets. England, yes, underdone, but unfortunately, comes down to performance. You can talk all you want about whether the toss was right, whether the team was right. England just didn't perform to the best of what they can do, in my opinion. And that's why... That's but, why but we haven't, we haven't seen them. I mean, can they? I mean, how how do you formulate an opinion that they can do it when they consistently don't? You can't. You can't. So, Simple as that. So, 
So maybe they're just not good enough. Maybe that's it's just the top bad. bomber. The top bomber is not, not good enough. John, in 2021, we have had seven test match hundreds. We've had one for Rory Burns against New Zealand. And we've had six for Joe, Joe Root. Mm. Our, our averages in our batting averages in 2021. I think there's a guy got over 50. I think I saw a stat that said Mitchell Stark has got a better batting average in the last two years than Ollie Pope, Bairstow, Butler, um, Burns, essentially everyone bar root, I imagine. I mean, I hear, I heard a lot, John, sorry, I heard a lot of cricket in the 90s, cricket in the early 2000s, and why we were a better one-day side on that World Cup documentary that has been on TV, How to Win the World Cup. Owen Morgan said, we picked players um, that were one-day players. Nasser Hussain says, we rewarded in his time, we rewarded what test match players with one-day games. And that's why we were so far behind this, you know, the wave of white ball cricket until 2015. I look at this group of players now, these England players. We've picked David Milan, who was ranked number one in T20 cricket. We picked Josh Butler, you know, one of the best opening batsmen in T20 cricket. You know, we go through the all. You know, Butler, Bairstow. You know, probably Pope's the only one. Pope and Burns are the ones that have come through, that have consistently scored runs in first-class cricket leading into getting their selection. You know, Rory Burns, five years in a row, he got a 1,000 runs in first-class cricket, and he's averaging 33 in Test match cricket. Ollie Pope's played 21 Test matches. He's got so much potential, though I keep hearing. And I like the kid, and I think the kid can play. But, unfortunately, he's got to start performing very, very soon because you're going to go from potential... Yeah, to, you know, hold on, yeah, what do we do here? Do we leave him out for Besto in the next test match and go for a bit of experience? When we're at the start of this test match, we go 50-50 and we go a Pope. All ifs, buts and maybes, but, the, the, you know, the cold heart, light of deer, you've got a fourth seamer in Cameron Green who bowls quicker than any one of our, any one of our bowlers on tour apart from Mark Wood. He was bowling 142 kilometres an hour Yesterday afternoon, he's knocked Joe Root over today, and he's off. He's their fourth seamer. They've got Cummins, here's a wooden Stark together, arguably as good an attack there is around the world. Um, when you talk about bowlers and you talk about release points, their release points are around about two meters. And that is the most potent release point in world cricket at this moment in time when it comes to wicket and test matches. And all three of them go from there. We've got one in Ollie Robinson. And Ollie Robinson bowled well in this test match. But when Ollie Robinson doesn't bowl flat out at his optimum speed of 79, 80 mile an hour, it's not the same when he gets tired. And I'm not having to go at Ollie for this. I'm no, really no, not. No. I'm not because I think Ollie Robinson. By the time he gets to 10 test matches, 15 test matches, he'll have worked up a durability and an understanding what it takes to play a test match cricket. And he will consistently bowl at the right, at his speed, his speed, his best speed for longer periods of time. You know, he's played that, very little. Do you, think, 
Do you think he'd be able to bowl faster? No, I don't think he'd be able to bowl faster. But I don't want him to bowl faster. It's no, I'm just, about... I'm just wondering. Just wondering. It's about, it's about, at the minute, he's bowling probably, in a 25-over spell, he's probably bowling 14, 15 overs at his flat-out speed. And the rest at 90%, 80%, then 70% going down. If you look at balls from, from his, his fastest ball to his average ball, there'll be a drop-off in his in his third, fourth, his fourth, fifth, sixth over, and his third and fourth, fifth, whatever spells going from that. Well, his challenge is to to get that average speed up over a longer consistency period, and that'll come with learning how to play a five day game as opposed to playing you know, a chip shop four day game, first class. It is you don't you there's only you, you can only learn on the job on that front, and that unfortunately that's what that's what Ollie's. His challenge is, but I think the kid's a proper bowler, um, and I think he bowled well in this in this test match for large periods of time when he was bowling. But his body did tire, and when his body tires, can't afford to drop speed because he turns into a seventy-five mile an hour bowler. In the cold light day, was it a mistake to play Stokes? Wouldn't it have been better to play him in the Lions game? No. It wasn't a mistake to play Stokes. I don't think it was. I think it was a, it was the right call to make to play Stokes. I said I'd, I'd bat him at three because I don't want him to bowl. He's bowling overs. He shouldn't be bowling really, in the grand scheme of things. Don't want him to bowl. I want him to bat, and then drip feed his bowling in. He's fallen over. He's hurt his knee, and then we're asking him to bowl with a little bit of an injury. That's going to take an effect on his body, which is going to take the effect on his batting. We can't afford not to play Ben Stokes. We're not good enough to not play Ben Stokes. We really aren't. We need we need him on the field. Um, and we need other people to stand up. How many times has Ben Stokes carried this team in the last two or three years? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have picked if him. Anything, this he, team he needs to, to carry Ben Stokes for a, This team needs to carry Ben Stokes for a couple of games. Yeah, but the point I'm making is he clearly isn't match fit. And a match and playing a, a player, to be honest, mate, it probably would have worked better if they played a batsman because then they would have had to play broad. Actually, I well, mean, look, I'm not, I didn't say it before the game. Course. I'm not pretending that I did. I'm just looking at it now. And he could have had four days or whatever it was, three days for the play for the Lions or two days, whatever. I mean, he, he clearly is not up to speed. And that's for obvious reasons. Anyway. That, that's that's just what it is. On Ben, he's playing against a very good attack. He's playing a very, it's a very good yeah, attack. Yeah, it's no good. I'd rather play him. I'd rather play him. I'd rather play him. The broad argument is, Joe said before, he said, we picked the team that we thought. He picks Leach, he bats first. He picks Broad, he bowls first. That's as simple as that. England, England's, I, I, I know this, I, I can see this, you know, Clearly, plainly on Chris Silverwood and Joe Root's face. They picked the spinner to the bat first. You know, Sir Alistair Cook says it was a brave decision at the toss. I don't think it was a brave decision. I thought it was a stupid decision because of what England's preparation has been, not being in the country for, for too long, not had proper you know, net situation to match situation, batsmen hitting balls, understanding the bounce of the ball, being able to leave the ball. Yeah, for longer periods of time. If you bowl first, yeah, even if even if they rack up 350, you're in the game on a wicket which is doing a bit, right? 
you go in there, you go in there, and then you've had a little bit more time in the game. You understand where the game's at. Yeah. You go out there and you have a bat. You've had a couple of nets in between. And then you go and get 300, whatever. But you stay in the game. You don't become 40 for four because your batters have had no practice whatsoever. You're playing against Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins. And you're out of the game. 40 for four doesn't win on the first day of a test match before lunch. And that, for me, was the wrong thing to do. But to justify batting first, the pick Leach. If you bowl first, you pick Broad. And that, for me, is as simple as that with the England decision. After day one, you made the point you couldn't see who the attack leader was going to be. How do you feel now? Yeah, I still think I still think Broad would have been a, a difference in there because I mean, he would without a doubt. Broad, Broad would, would absolutely be the attack leader because Broad his body language would be great. I thought but Wood he's was also the he's also bold in his life. You know what people talk about Ashes uh, about you know him winning at the Oval, that spell at the Oval, 2009, you were playing. Um, Durham, 2015. 13. I can't remember, but either way, it was, yeah, 2013. And then uh, Trent Bridge, 2015. Yeah. They were all Ashes. They were all matches that, that, that essentially he won. He turned the game, right? But they were also the series. He won a series, three series yeah. off the back of those. Now that is an attack leader. And I can understand a few years back, I really can understand the frustrations with Broad because he seemed to turn it on when the pressure was on. He seemed like he maybe was going through a period of his career when I, I'm, I'm guessing this, but he seemed like he was struggling to get up for every game. But because he was so good, and because he had Anderson, he kind of coasted a little bit. I haven't seen that Stuart Broad for two or three years now, you know, and he is an attack leader. And by George, if you look at that side with him in it, it it's a better side. I mean, for all that we, so Joe Root speaking after the game, you're saying we want to do things differently, you know, and Shane Warne, like Alistair Cook, said it's a brave decision as they're walking out to bat, which always makes me feel very, very worried when anybody says that, especially someone from the opposition. But you you pick your best team, surely, you know, and then you can build the team around that. You could build the bowling attack around that. Um, but saying that, and you've been as a, such a champion of Mark Wood for such a long time, but even you must have been surprised by the relentless quality that he produced over days two and uh, and three he was magnificent ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. He was, and I think what has what helped Mark was the 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 World T Twenty. Yeah, because he's because played he was, some cricket. Yeah, not only just not only because he played cricket as a bowler when you're playing in the in the T Twenty, your your margin for error is so small when you play test uh, where T Twenty cricket. So you, your intensity has got to be high. You're bowling flat out for four overs. In the areas you bowl, you've got to be on it, so on it. And your change-ups have got to be so on it. So what that does means that's your decision-making. Your decision-making becomes so much clearer in 2020 cricket and quicker in 2020 cricket because somebody's standing 22 yards away trying to whack you out of the park. And I think because of that clarity of thought and because of the intensity he's been practising at, and playing that, and I know he didn't play in that many games, but there's no surprise that Mark Wood bowled the way he bowled, the same as Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, I know he was injured a little bit, and Mitchell Stark, because they've done exactly the same thing. You know, bowling, bowling, just running up and bowling and trying to hit an area, test match cricket with a red ball, preparing at Lord's first test match, Nice and easy. Yeah, you go through the motions a little bit and then you get going. If you've prepared, if you come back off a one-day series and go into a test match series, nine times out of ten, you'll bowl faster for the initial period. Um, Your areas will be better and your decision-making will be better because that's what happens in one-day cricket. No surprise. You know, people say to me, your best series of Ashes 2005, I played four games for Durham first class before the season, got 32 wickets, I think it was. Played a one-day series leading into it against Bangladesh and Australia with Gilchrist, Hayden, Ponton coming at me. Bang, bang, bang for five, six weeks. Going to the first test match at, at Lords. I was ready. Bang, I was ready. 
you know, decision making, everything, intensity. And if anything, I dropped off from there because of what had gone before. And I think that's the challenge that Mark has to get going. But I think his pace was up because of the, the, the build up that he had in the World T20. Um, his aggression was excellent. I thought his attack, you know, I thought he led, I thought he bowled well in the attack. I thought Robinson was excellent. I thought Wokes was excellent. But unfortunately, there's a decision to be made in the next week or so because. Unfortunately, one of them's gonna one of them's gonna have to miss out because Broad and Anderson are gonna have to come back in because England are one nil down. Now, who that is, I'm not so sure. Um, but what I what I look at it is doesn't matter who misses out and who comes in, it comes back to the batting unit. And the batting yeah. unit don't score any runs. We ain't winning any games. And unfortunately, if we go on the wrong side of the toss and have to bat under under you know the lights first up. When it's at its when it's at its best for the ball, then this could be a long six and a half weeks for England, and a very short Test match. Moment of the day. So you made mention of it a few moments ago. Moment of the day. Uh, Nathan Lyon joining the four hundred wicket club. I think he's the fourth Australian bowler to four hundred wickets. You know, I can't. Nah, three. Not nah, three. three. Only three. Yeah, Glenn McGrath. Um, Dennis Lee's fourth, I think, with three hundred and. 65, I think, or 56, or something you, like that. You obviously saw the stats fly, coming up on the screen. Not bad for a, a guy that was seen as a groundsman for the first part of his career. Took him a long, long time to uh, convince the Australian cricket public that he was worthy of the side, who were obviously still in the shadow of Shane Warne, obviously different kinds of bowler. But he's, um, you know, he's, 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 got, he's got so much about him. Considering he hasn't played any test match, he hasn't played in the T20 World Cup, and he's bowling at the Gabba, and he's bowling on the, you know, essentially with the pressure of that 400th wicket, I thought once again he was terrific. And actually, I was, I said this to Jared, but, you know, couldn't he have, couldn't he have been a captaincy candidate? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, he had a, a, a tough. He's had a tough eight or nine months because he hasn't uh, he hasn't played much Test match cricket. He hasn't played much cricket at all, and he's been waiting. I think he waited something like three hundred and odd days to get that one wicket. I think he was trying too hard in the first Test, their first innings, and then even yesterday, I thought he was trying too hard. But he, but saying that, I thought Milan played him very very well, and to get into that four hundred club, he is the third member in there. Shane Warne seven hundred and eight, Glenn McGrath. 563 and Nathan Lyon has got 403. Fourth How many did you take again? 226, I think. 226 test match wickets. Um, when Dennis Lilly with 355, Mitchell Johnson 311, and I think Brett Lee's the only other one in the 300 club, which is 310. So it's a fantastic achievement, and that's why. I'm low. You can't make a comparison with with Jack Leach and, and Nathan Lyon. Um, he is he is a fantastic bowler when it comes to like Graham Swan. He had this ability to drift the ball in and get the ball to turn, and he challenged both edges of the bat. And I think DRS world. Um, he is he is he, he's very very difficult to to face, and he he contains very very well. He's got three fast bowlers, and now it looks like the founder an all-rounder who can bowl at a decent lick to, to, to create, not only create pressure, but 
you know, create indecision and doubt in people's foot movement. And like I said before, in the DRS world, you know, that is that is invaluable for a spin bowler. And he he deserves all the plaudits he got. He seems to be a good team man, um, gets into the opposition's face, uh, very aggressive um, nature and character. And he, he he seems to be somebody that his teammates do love and, and, and enjoy playing with. So, you know, like we said before, congratulations to Nathan Lyon for being in there. Um, boy, would we loved would we loved another spinner like Swanee to follow up because it's just a completely different attack when you've got somebody like that. Lol of the day. Okay, so I'm sure you weren't laughing at the time, but there was a laugh out loud moment of the day. It involved the TV broadcasts. Uh, it was happening at about 2 a.m. UK, so a lot of people won't be aware of this. But essentially, the generator overheated at the Gabba. There was no backup. I'm not sure if this is exactly what happened, but this is what I'm kind of gaining from uh, uh, Twitter. But essentially, anybody who wasn't in the ground or in Brisbane wasn't getting the pictures. And unfortunately, that meant BT. It meant Fox Sport and it meant whoever else is doing the cricket in Australia that I forget. It meant TMS had to throw to ABC. SEN had to throw to Barrett Sonderason, who is a, a great guy. Not sure if you met him, but he was basically, I guess he was just doing it on the phone from the ground. I imagine that's an Adam Collins decision, um, brain brainwave. And I mean, give us an idea of what was going on. So let me, let me guess, you, you and Cookie, it must have been about, it was pretty early in the morning, wasn't it? So it must have been yeah, was a, it was 1.30 or so. Yeah, it was about quarter to two o'clock. We had just we had just finished our curry. So me and Sir <laughs> Alistair and Matt Smith had just finished our curry. You know, it was a good job they didn't come to us when we were in the middle of that whole table full of curry because that's what we've had, you know, with the, the sleeping that we've got. You know, you were sleeping all day. Literally, I was leaving hours in the studio from 8, 8 p.m. to at night all the way through to leave and talk sport at half 11 in the morning. So you were sleeping all day, eating at night, just finished our nice curry. It was lovely, beautiful curry. And then all of a sudden we got a glitch earlier and we thought, oh, what was that? So things got cleared up and away we got. Calm, calm down for a little bit. Got a cup of tea. Halfway through me sort of dessert, Snickers, chocolate, chocolate bar. And then I had to spit it all out into a, um, into a <laughs> handkerchief. Because it was like, we're going to have to come to you. We've now got a camera at Third Man, which is every lunch, tea, end of players. Got Mel Farrell and Glenn McGrath giving us updates and, you know, having a chat, players, interviews and things like that. We have now got one cameraman at Third Man who is now, who is now basically covering <laughs> world, the world feed for us. Me, me, Keith, me, Cookie and Matt Smith are having to commentate over the top of it. I was wetting myself laughing. To be fair... I think a lot of people were quite happy with the, the commentary that they were getting compared to the yeah. Fox stuff, because we've been pelted, and yeah, we've been being given pelters for for some of the stuff that BT have got no control on whatsoever, other than it was their decision to take the feed. Um, and we had a bit of a laugh and a joke about it. And Cookie said he said it was like he said it was like getting your first hundred for your county when your dad's video camera it from third man and the boundary and you you say oh we, we but it was like we couldn't make each other laugh because we were so serious we were shaking our heads trying to steer together at what was happening um and we managed to get through it there was a lot of noise in the gallery in your ear because obviously you wear an earpiece so 
hearing a lot of noise, panic, sheer panic from everybody. But we got through it. I thought we had a, an amusing half an hour from, from our point of view, because obviously we've got nothing to do with the production side of everything that was going. But can imagine people at home would have been very frustrated. Channel 7, I think, had two cameras, two other cameras in yeah. the ground. Yeah. So they were going off. They were going off the two cameras. Like you say, radio had no idea what was going on. Um, and can you imagine John Norman talk sport later on? You know, when you've got an international tour and you, you've got nowhere to broadcast it from. Can you imagine what you, you know, whatever it is, what you would have been in? Oh, I'm sure I would have been chilled out about it. You know, <laughs> doesn't matter. Give give me the what mic. You, yeah, actually, I'll throw I'll throw another one at you. What would you rather do? Get on an aeroplane for a 24-hour flight or lose lose the lose the world feed when you've got to get it back to the got to get it back knowing how how you fly. We we uh we can lose output for half an hour. That's fine. Mate, I've just flown with two children aged 2 and 4 from England to New Zealand. So, if I could do that, I could do anything. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, army. Second test match gets underway on Thursday. It's a pink ball test. Now, about a week or so ago, I was seeing some Aussies up in arms. The idea of two pink ball tests were going to hand England an advantage that they would, you know, claim with their grateful glee. Jimmy Anderson swinging the ball around corners. Uh, England were definitely going to win those two. They've got a relatively good record at the MCG. Um, Ashes won. Not really feeling like that now, but. Let's look ahead to Adelaide. Possible changes um, to both England and Australia because, of course, David Warner did pick up an injury. Mitchell Stark was quite expensive, and at least he, he had a few overs in there. Do you foresee any changes for Australia? Obviously, we don't know the extent of Warner's injury. How do you think England are going to go? And if they do have to drop two bowlers, one of them will for sure be Leach. Who will the other one be? Oh, that's a massive question. Um, when it comes to the Australia side, I think Warner will be fine. I thought I thought Mark Wood put the, the jitters up uh, Davy Warner. There was times there in that game where I thought, oh, he's not fancying this. But he still, he, he, over, he overcome it. Um, but saying that, sometimes when I watch Kevin Pearson face the quick bowlers, there was times I was thinking he's not fancying this. And then his back got faster and he had 50 in a crack. So... Yeah, he became more aggressive and he became more dangerous. So I'm not saying Warner was scared of Woody, but I think Woody would Woody did sort he of ruffle his, him a little. He got Warner's heartbeat racing a little bit. Yeah, he did big time. So I expect Warner to play. I, I, I expect Warner to play. I don't. I think if if he needed to bat in the second innings, I'm sure he would have. And given a given a sort of a week, I think Warner. I, I would imagine Warner would be fine. Um, Hazelwood. Didn't bowl that much yesterday. A lot of question marks. Has he got a niggle? He must have because Cameron Green bowled as many overs as, as Josh Hazelwood. So it might work out better for Australia that if they are going to rest and rotate their bowlers and if, a, if, if Hazelwood has to miss a game out of the five, that Adelaide might not be a, a bad one because Jai Richardson comes in and probably swings it more. And it's obviously that the pink ball test will go. So they would probably be the only changes that I would see for seeing with, with Australia. Stark again with a pink ball. He's a must. He has to play, even though he's expensive. England, I look down the line, it probably will be the same batting unit. I think Burns gets 
you, you see if Burns gets one more chance, but there's a lot made of that first ball, which shouldn't be made of that first ball. It wasn't like my ball that was so embarrassing, didn't hit the strip I was aiming for. He's missed a, he's missed a straight ball, which happens. It happens in, in batting all the time. Um, he didn't, his second shot, second inning shot, that worried me a little bit. You know, the bounce of the ball, that I was concerned about what happened with Rory Burns there. So, Crawley will be waiting, but I think I give Burns one more test match, considering, bearing in mind, he's the only player other than Joe Root to get a test match entry in 2021. So he stays in the side for me. Um, like I mentioned before, Pope. It was a 50-50 call for Pope to play instead of Bairstow. Will England go for experience and bring Johnny no. back? Pope I don't think play. we will. Pope plays, yeah. Pope, I'm just played thinking... Pope played a decent knock in first innings as well. And yeah. it would be madness just to bring Bairstow back again. No, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, what will be going through the selectors' minds? Ben and man, it was a 50-50 call, but I expect Pope to play. But he has to stand up soon. He has to stand up soon. This will be his 22nd test match. He has to, to show that he's a valuable member and a contributing member to this England cricket team. And then it comes to the bowlers. Well, Leach is not going to play. It's going to be Broad and Anderson. Can England afford to risk Broad and Anderson, their bodies? Well, Have that's the other, that's the other thing. That's like Anderson, question. Anderson was dropped. Essentially, they were either there. If they are both fit, then they were both dropped for that match, right? Unless, unless Anderson's got a little something. Broad you know? was Broad was dropped. Anderson was probably not not risked. I think. I think. I think if Broad was if Anderson was in the position Broad was body wise, I think Anderson would have played. Um, but I think all in all, I think Anderson wasn't risked. But if you're going to go in with four seamers and your two bowlers have been haven't played for a while and carrying injury, are you making a gamble? But unfortunately, I actually think this is the gamble England have to take. Like I would have took the gamble with Broad in the first test match, and then he doesn't play at, at Adelaide if his body you know slows down and, and he struggles with it. For me, Anderson Broad would would wouldn't have played in the grand grand plan and the grand scheme of things before the, the start of the Ashes because of, you know, the swinging ball and everything that goes with with Adelaide. But for me, after the way he's just performed, he's a must. Because I don't think we can, I, I don't think we can afford to rest and rotate with with the first three three test matches. Because if we try and be too clever, there could be another Ashes, Ashes defeat in 11 days. Um, so Wood players. And for me, then it's Robinson or Wokes. Um, can Ollie Robinson bat at number eight? I think we've seen that he's not a number eight. Can England afford to go into this test match at Adelaide with four number tens? They might have to and not play Chris Wokes. So that would be the 12 that I would go with. And if I had a gut feeling on the day, I probably would leave Chris Wokes. And I, it pains me to say it because of the way he batted and the way he's played and the way he is as a, as a cricketer. I just think Wood and Robinson just out bowl Chris Wokes in this last test match. He's batting, shouldn't really come into it if you play seven top water batsmen. But I think if I had a, a go with me gut feeling, I'll leave one of the nicest guys out in English cricket and play Broad, Anderson, Wood and Robinson in the second test match at Adelaide. The other thing they've got to factor in is Wood has just bowled a lot of overs and so has Robinson. So, wow. We shall see. Hey, Harmit, you're going to be back with uh, Neil Manthorpe.
going to try and get a couple of cricket collectives in between uh, then and now. And uh, yeah, well, follow all the action in terms of updates on Talk Sport. Gets underway early hours of Thursday. Harmony will be back get across the station. Brad Hogg as well, given the Australian point of view. It's a day-nighter, so you don't have to wait up. You can just get up early to set the alarm for 6.30 or so, uh, miss the morning session, and then you'll be, uh, you'll be treated. It's, uh, it's Adelaide, water ground, and uh, broadcasters will all be there this time as well. Well, apart from you. So, Fingers crossed. Yeah, as long as the generator doesn't come down or as long as South Australia doesn't close its border between now and then. Uh, either way, it's been a chastising and uh, well, not chastising. It's, it's been a poor first test match for England. They're going to have to bounce back. Adelaide's going to have to be where they do it. And we'll find out uh, here on following on exactly how they go about things. Thanks for listening to the podcast or on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.